written to them and shared his experiences with them and some of them think he's just talking a lot about himself um, in that. Paul's um, reason for doing that is to give the glory to God and what God has been doing in his life to encourage them to continue to living in that same way. And he tells them, God gave the law through Moses and Moses had to wear a veil because he couldn't bear to be in the presence of God. But God has now given us his spirit and so we are free to worship him and we are in this together. He's saying, I'm not, I'm not doing it all on my own. We're doing it together. Um, and this is why I have shared this for you. So we are all being transformed. We are all doing this. He says, so therefore, therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor we do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we not, do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned struck down but not destroyed we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body I think that's verse 12 this is the word of the Lord thank you Marian I thank you for that great introduction as well um, that really kind of feeds into where we're going a little bit today we're continuing on on our series, Past, Present, Future, and we're thinking about how it is helpful for us as God's people to reflect on our past, to live in the present, and today we're going to think a little bit about looking forward to the future. Let me pray, and uh, we'll jump straight in. There's a lot to cover today. Let's pray. Dear Lord, just thank you for your word, for the way it opens our hearts and our minds and it speaks truth into the world in which we live. Lord, we just pray now that you might help us to come with humble and open hearts before your word today. Lord, we might really listen to what you are saying in it, Lord, that we might hear you speak from it. And Lord, we just pray that you might just continue to um, work a new thing in all of us here today as we come and hear this passage, Lord, and we think about the future of your church, Lord, and what you might have us do in it, Lord, the part you might have us play. Lord, I pray you'll help me to speak truthfully and clearly from your word, and we just pray this now in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Great. Well, I wonder if you um, think about the future. If you, you know, sat back and whatever for, for 10 minutes and reflected about the future, um, what sort of feelings would come up for you? For different people, it might be quite different experience, isn't it? For some, perhaps the idea of the future might be filled with all sorts of exciting thoughts. Or, um, you know, you might feel a little bit, um, you know, excited about what is to come. Maybe it's like there's, you know, a new job around the corner or there's, there's a, a new chapter in your career or you're heading towards retirement or maybe, you know, you're thinking of starting a family or, you know, growing your family. And, and as you think about the future, it kind of brings those thoughts up in your mind. Um, perhaps for some, as you look to the future, it might do the opposite and it might make you feel a little bit uncomfortable might make you think about some of the tricky challenges that are ahead. It might make you think about some of the uncertainty. You know, depending what's happening for you, you might have a different um, feeling when you think about the future. Well, today I want us to spend a little bit of time reflecting on the future of this church, the future of the church that God has called us into. And if we sat back, And we spent some time thinking about the church in five years' time or in ten years' time. I wonder how would it make us feel? Does it fill us with excitement? Or does it make us feel a bit worried? Does it fill us with confidence? Or does it fill us with a sense of uncertainty? We're going to spend some time thinking about that today because I think it is a really important question for all of us to ask ourselves on a semi-regular basis. Um, Before we jump into that too much, I wanted to spend some time in this passage because I think it's just such a great passage that Paul gives us here in uh, 2 Corinthians. Uh, Let me start from verse 1 and read from there. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception nor do we distort the word of God. As Marion um, intro for us, there's conflict that's been uh, arisen in this church. Um, there's kind of opponents that Paul is in one sense almost competing against. They're kind of challenging his leadership and they're building their own sort of following. And Paul is kind of hurt by this experience. He's kind of come away feeling a bit down about it perhaps. Um, but re- in the face of these challenges... He recognises that he will not lose heart in what he knows he's called to do. He will not lose heart in doing the ministry that he knows God has called him to do. Uh, Verse 3, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel. Really interesting uh, description here that Paul has for his own ministry. You know, this ministry that he knows is vital and important and that he won't give up on, even in the face of challenges. He says that when um, he goes about sharing the gospel, it is as though it is veiled to those who are hearing it. Interesting word, I think. Veiled. What does he mean by that idea that it's veiled? You know, the way we think of that word, the first thing that I popped into my head, perhaps it was the same for you, is, you know, that you're getting married, you might have a veil. You might wear a, a veil over your face. It's not quite a mask, 
but it's something kind of like that, isn't it? It doesn't completely obscure the person who is behind it, but the idea is that it makes it um, a little less clear, perhaps, to see the details of the face that is behind that veil. Um, if a politician is giving a speech, they might make some veiled remarks. You know, they might make some remarks that on the first hearing aren't completely clear as what they're saying, but for those um, who perhaps have a bit more background information or perhaps for those who spend a bit of time digging into it, they might kind of grasp the meaning of what these veiled remarks, uh, remarks might mean. And Paul says that when uh, preaching the gospel, sometimes it feels as though it is veiled to the people for whom are hearing it, right? Veiled or disguised, or partially hidden, or masked, whatever the word is you want to use to describe it. Well, who is it that's doing this veiling? Who is it who's doing this masking and disguising? Have a look at verse 4. Um, he makes it clear there, where it says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. The God of this age, reference to the work of the enemy. Um, Paul says, The work of the devil here is to dis disguise the gospel to those who are hearing it. Disguise the gospel to the world so they cannot see the true glory of this good news. You know, it's kind of the idea of a veil at the wedding, isn't it? Is you can't see the full glory of the beautiful bride. You know that there's a beautiful bride there under that veil, but not until you lift the veil do you really see the full glory. Well, in the same way, Paul says it is as though the full glory of the gospel is being obscured to those who are hearing it. And I don't know if you've ever been in that situation when you're sharing you know, the gospel or you're just talking about God with people and sometimes you have conversations with people and it's just like, oh wow, it's just like they just can't quite get it. You know, like they just can't quite see what I'm trying to get across. You know, I'm using all of the best words and descriptions that I can, but I can just tell they're not grasping really what it is I'm trying to show them. Um, at youth group at the moment, um, I'm kind of taking on a group of, of about 15-year-old boys that mostly aren't believers at all and are, are, pretty, are pretty open about that, um, which makes for some very interesting discussion groups, let me tell you. Um, but I've had that experience lately when it's like I'm trying to communicate something to them, which I know in my heart is a beautiful thing, right? Who God is what grace means, you know, to live a life that's connected to the creator, all this kind of stuff, right? But it is like I'm sometimes speaking a different language, you know? It's like the words I'm using to describe something which is hard to describe, they're hearing it and it's just making no sense, right? Because what I'm trying to describe to them isn't something that fits into their life experience. You know, their life experience is pretty short so far, isn't it? They haven't been around that long and seen that much of it. Um, but for them, their life experience, and they're all smart kids, is like, you know, um, you know, facts and figures and science and whatever. That's the world they've been brought up in. And if something sits outside of that, they can't get it. And I'm trying to talk to them about, you know, a spiritual reality. You know, there's, there's, you know, life and soul and heart and spirit and all this kind of stuff. And it feels sometimes like it's just what I'm saying is masked, is veiled, is disguised. That they can't understand it in the same way that I'm trying to get it across to them. We're on a journey. Keep us in your prayers. Um, but sometimes the work of the enemy is to keep the gospel veiled, is to keep it hard to see 
for those who have yet to understand it. Have a look at verse 5. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as servants for Christ's sake. For we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that all this surpassing power is from God, not from us. Great verse. Verse 5, preach. The word preach um, in the original language comes from the word herald. Like a herald was the person who would go out with the message from the king. You know, hear ye, hear ye. Um, this is what the king decrees and whatever the new decree is or, you know, a new law or a new tax or whatever it was. Uh, it was an important job, but the herald's job was to communicate the message from the king. The herald was not the important part of the message. The message that he carried was what was important. Perhaps today, a modern-day equivalent is like the news announcer. Like, you, you watch the news because what they're saying is important. You don't watch the news because the person who's saying it is all that important. It's, it's the message that they bring, the news of the day, the important world events. That's why you listen to what they have to say, not because of the person who is saying it. Uh, and Paul is saying that's what we're doing when we're, we're, we preach. When we preach, we are relaying the words of the king. We are relaying the message that is um, a message of power and truth. Um, it's not about ourselves. So, and Paul says that of himself. You know, as I preach the gospel, it's not about the gospel of Paul Simpson at all. What I'm preaching is Christ as Lord and me as his servant. That's what I'm preaching. Um, my role isn't to insert myself into that message. My, my, my role is to relay the words of the king. You know, um, if, if I'm talking to whoever it is, trying to share with them the gospel, it's not about how clever I am or how witty I am or how um, slick my argument is or how well I can debate them, right? What's important is that I'm, I'm bringing the message of the king to the ears that need to hear it because what we are is um, bringing treasures in jars of clay, beautiful imagery that Paul paints here and this image is this that you would have gold or jewels or diamonds or silver or whatever it is um, and you would put them into this raggedy old clay pot and you would bring whoever it is this treasure in this old dusty dirty misshapen ugly fragile pot the point that Paul is making is that the pot isn't the important thing, is it? Right? What's important is the treasure that is inside. Uh, and back in, in Paul's days, like a, a clay pot was kind of like the cheapest vessel you could have, right? You know, it's like the simplest, most basic. They weren't nice and glazed and fired and kilned and whatever. Um, they were dusty and they were dirty and they were very often misshapen and they were fragile. You dropped them, they were gone. You know, like... They were the most basic of um, vessel that you could have. And what Paul is saying is that we are this. We are these vessels. We are these flawed jars of clay. Fragile, imperfect, um, not attractive by any worldly means. But what we carry is what is beautiful. Right? The treasure that we carry are the words of eternal life. The treasure that we carry is the gospel of good news that no matter how far you have fallen, 
forgiveness is there for all those who want it. And this is this imagery that Paul brings about himself and all those who bring the good news to people. He's like, we are just these clay jars bringing the greatest treasure the world has ever seen to those who have the ears to hear and those who have the eyes to see. And we here at PUC, we are being called by God to carry this precious treasure, even though we may be jars of clay. And I was, I was, I was saying that youth group on, on Friday night. There was just a few of us, and we're all feeling a bit flat. And I was like, my prayer at the start was, like, Lord, let us not sleep on this opportunity today. Like, let us not forget that it's an honour and a privilege to be able to serve and bring the gospel today, even when we're not really feeling it at this moment right now. You know, that, that's, that's something we've got to hold on to, that, that the honour and the privilege it is to bring the words of eternal life to those who are perishing, to ears who need to hear it. The gospel of grace and forgiveness to a world that desperately needs it. It won't always be smooth sailing. It wasn't for Paul, Right? on a number of occasions and he references that here right he says in verse 8 we're hard pressed on every side but not crushed we're perplexed but not in despair persecuted not abandoned struck down but not destroyed paul's kind of speaking the language of experience here he's he's walked that path of, of feeling hard-pressed and perplexed and persecuted and struck down, feeling those times himself when he was low and maybe he was just thinking, why me, Lord? Why have you got me doing this? Could, not, could it not be done in another way? Could it not be someone else? And I don't know about you, but I've kind of had those experiences too. And it's like, you know, you're, you're trying to love someone or you're trying to, you know, um, encourage someone in the faith or if it's in a ministry and you just like, Lord, why me? Like, why am I here you know, there's those times in whatever it is, youth group or ministry, and I'm just like, Lord, what led me to this point? All of the, my life decisions to this moment that lead me to be standing here, you know, completely saturated at like 8 o'clock at night because we're doing water games on a Friday night. And, Lord, why me? Um, but in these moments, there is this great revelation that Paul has, that even though sometimes doing church ministry feels like keeping a hundred plates spinning on poles all at once, and at any moment it could all come crashing down, he recognises that in every challenge there is a but, right? Have a look, if we, if we read it again. Um, his, his, his resolution is in his complaint. Um, hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. For every challenge, there is this but. And I don't know about you, but in those times when it feels like nothing is happening and, and um, you feel like you, you don't know why you're doing this at all or why you're putting in the effort and the energy, um, God brings renewal and encouragement in the times when it feels like there is very little. And for us going forwards as, as God's church and God's people, there'll be the times when we hit those challenges, we will hit those hardships, but there's this promise that God will pull us through, that God will not let us face anything that is too big. We will feel hard-pressed, but we'll not be crushed. We will feel persecuted, but we will not be abandoned. I think that's beautiful. There's those times, and the Psalms are filled with it, when God's people feel abandoned, but there's this promise even when you feel like that, you're not. 
Even when you feel like you're walking alone, I'm walking there next to you. Um, Lisa shared this story with me the other day and I asked her, so I'm going to share it on her behalf. I'll talk to her later. She'll, she'll, she'll tell it much better than I will right now. Um, but she told me this story about how um, for a while she'd been feeling just a bit spiritually dry and that exact kind of you know, feeling of like, oh, where's God, what are you doing? Where's, where, where are you at the moment? And um, anyway, one day she went into the cafe and made a booking or whatever it was and came out and the, um, the manager chased her out and stopped her and said, oh, look, I know this is weird. I know this is strange, but I just, I've got to ask you, are you a clairvoyant? And Lisa says, no, um, but I'm a born-again Christian. And I, I love that because I would have, you know, in retrospect, hey, Lisa, it's always the way, I would have been like, what did you see? I want to know, what did he see? What did you see that made you want to chase her out? Because what he saw was the treasure in in, in clay jars, wasn't it? What he saw was something in Lisa that stood out that was different from all those others that were there in the cafe that day, something that was there that he recognised that there was power and beauty there and he had to actually go out and ask her about it. He wanted to know more. Talk to Lisa. She'll, she'll, she'll tell you the story better than I will. Um, but that's it, isn't it? This is, this is what we are. We're, we're treasure in jars of clay that what we bring and carry into the world is not of us. It's actually reflecting the beauty of God to all those who might have eyes to see, all those who are willing to find out more. There are those times when you will feel flat and you will feel dry, but God has not abandoned us, right? That is his promise. And there's this encouragement that God is still doing a work in all of us, right? He's not done with us yet. There is still more to be done. When we're feeling beat up and we're feeling done for, God has not left us now. The other day, um, one of the young adults was telling me about being on beach mission. And they were on beach mission and, you know, part of the beach mission is people stand up and do testimonies and stuff. And someone got up and did a testimony and they said, as they're doing the testimony, they mentioned me, mentioned my name. I was like, oh, who was that? I was like, oh, it's this guy. And I was like, thinking back later, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that group. I remember that group of, of kids at youth group. And I was like, I thought I got nowhere. <laughs> like, I thought I did. I thought I did zero in terms of encouraging them in the faith. Um, but years later, I end up being in a testimony of someone who's sharing it at Beach Mission, right? And the point is this. At that time, I probably felt pretty beat down. I, I felt like I was wasting my time and I felt like I wasn't getting much done. But what I was doing was actually just bringing treasure that God might spread it into the world. You know what I mean? I was carrying the, the words of eternal life that some seed might be planted somewhere and might grow and might become a great fruit-producing tree somewhere. The reason I picked this passage for, for us to think about the future is because, for me, this is like, it's like a battle cry, this passage, that Paul is thinking about his own ministry, his, his, his time with the people in Corinthians, um, and he recognises that God has done amazing things and God will continue to do amazing things and he will not be slowed down by the, the frustrations or by the, the, the step backs or by the, the, the obstacles that he's hit in his path. That he will not, none of that slow him down. And as I was thinking about that, I was like, oh, that's, that's got to be our outlook for the future, right? 
here at PUC. God has done amazing things. He's still doing amazing things and he will do amazing things. The testimony of the generations to come will include the work of this church. There'll be people somewhere telling a testimony and it will include the names of the people in our congregation because the work God has called us to do and is continuing to call us to do, not because we are great, not because we are so slick and so flash and got it all down perfect, but because God is great and because what we carry is the greatest treasure that the world has ever seen. Our story isn't a story of the past. It's not a story of oh, how good it used to be. And what God did once upon a time. Kind of, that's kind of the danger of our 20th anniversary is thinking, oh, look how good God was back then, right? Oh, look at those amazing stuff he did all that time ago. No, it's, it's a story of what God has done then, continues to do now, and is promising to do in the future. I think that's got to be our narrative and our story. You know, one of the things I was reflecting on this week is we regularly get new people. If you're a new person, welcome today. Great to have you here. Um, we get new people that come along to our, you know, Sunday services or morning and night or a youth group or our kids programs or whatever it is and God sends us new people and for me that's a confirmation that God has a work for us to do you know like if, if, we, if he didn't he wouldn't keep sending us people right? he sends us new people because there's, there's more for us to do God's saying hey you know don't get too, don't get too comfortable there don't get too relaxed um, I've got still more for you to do here uh, you know we've had some challenging times over the last couple of years, haven't we? You know, we've had two years of lockdowns and disruptions. We've had coming out of that to the Everest having having moved on to to another congregation. We've kind of, you know, had 18 months of, of being being short staffed and kind of scraping it together. Or at least that's how it's felt a lot of the, a lot of the time. But as as I stand here now at the start of 2023 and I look forward, what, what how do I feel when I look into the future? I feel really encouraged. I feel really excited about what God's doing here and really optimistic that our heyday is not in the past, but perhaps our heyday is to come. Perhaps our heyday is, 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 is yet here. And it's hard for me to ex- explain, but I really have felt like the Spirit has just been moving in, in the lives of all of the people of our congregation here in all of these different ways, you know. Um, it's, it, it's hard to me to explain to you, but I'll do my best. Like, I've had people who come up to me and said, oh, you know, that, that reading and that sermon we did, that was exactly what I was thinking about this week. Or um, one person said, oh, that reading you did, I actually, I, I'd, I'd heard that, like, it was on the, that was on the, um, uh, the, the verse of the week, and then I heard a podcast on it, and then it came up again. It's like, oh, God's trying to say something there. The other day, someone came to me with this problem, and then someone else came to me with the solution to their problem, the neither of them knowing that either or the other one existed, you know? And as I'm seeing all of these things, I'm like, God's doing stuff. Like, God's moving in the hearts of the people. Like, there's all these people having these God moments when they come back and they're like, oh, what do you think about this? And I think, well, it sounds to me like God's saying something, like God's doing something. And, and I want that to be an encouragement for all of us as we look to the future, uh, to know that... Um, God is still doing powerful things amongst our people here. And perhaps 2023 and the years beyond will be some of our best years yet. Uh, I'm truly optimistic about that. Finally, um, 
I did want to mention one thing as we look towards our future. Uh, we've spoken in the past about our finances going into the new season, um, about bringing on a second minister, and Nico's mentioned a couple of times um, this idea if we could raise our giving by 25%, that would put us um, in good stead to, to, to hit our, our budget and our numbers. Um, and with the, the coming of Simon, which is now only a few weeks away, he'll be starting mid-March, which will be an awesome thing. Um, me and Amy have been sitting down thinking about our giving. And we kind of recognise too that over the whole COVID period, it, we kind of just, it kind of all just slipped and it was all pretty loose and we hadn't really thought about how we do our giving at all. And as I was thinking about it over the, the past weeks and months, um, the story of Jeremiah stuck to my mind about Jeremiah buying a field. I don't know if you're familiar. I've preached on it before. But it's this story when Babylon is about to come in and wipe out Jerusalem and you know, make Israel just a shadow of itself. But before they get there, God says to Jeremiah, go buy this field. So Jeremiah does. He goes and he pays the money and he gets all of the documents signed and logged and all the deeds and titles handed over and whatever. Um, he gets him to buy this field just as it's about to be completely worthless. It's about to be worth nothing. Because the Babylonians are going to wipe it out and Israel is going to have nothing left. It, you're not going to be producing a crop from these fields anytime soon. So it's like, well, why does God get Jeremiah to buy it? Well, he gets him to buy it because he promises to Jeremiah that one day this field will again be fruitful. What he's saying is, Jeremiah, my promise is that the future will be fruitful and I want you to invest. I want you to invest your time, your energy, your money in the future that I'm promising you. Uh, and as, as I was thinking about that that week, I was like, that's, I think that's what God's calling us to do, is to invest in the future of this church, to invest in the future that we believe God is promising of us. So me and Amy have been thinking about it. We've decided that we're going to tithe my income um, so that we are people who are investing in the future of this church because we believe in it. We believe that God is doing good things and we believe that God is calling us to invest in the work and partner in the work of the church here at PUC. My encouragement to you is, is to consider, to consider your part in that, uh, to consider your capacity to be able to partner in the work that God is doing here. Band, could I call you up? Um, I'm going to pray and then I'll hand it over to the band. We'll have our, our final song. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just, yeah, I want to thank you, God. I want to thank you, Lord, because you are a, a God that uh, sees the beginning of time and the end of time all at once. Lord, uh, you have a plan for all of us on a level that we can't quite get our head around. You understand uh, who we are before we were born. And Lord, I just thank you that as we stand here today and we look to the future, it isn't doom and gloom, not at all, actually. Um, as we look to the future, um, we don't feel dismayed or discouraged or uncertain by what we feel is energized by what you're going to do. And Lord, I pray that we might have hearts that are faithful to that, Lord. Faithful to being led into an open-ended future, a future that might be different from our past, but a future that is connected with the foundations of the past, um, but not limited by it. A future that uh, is 
an open book, Lord, that you are writing. Lord, you know, you know where our story goes. Uh, and we pray that we might be uh, faithful participants on that journey, Lord. Lord, we might be your pilgrim people and we might journey wherever it is that you are going to take us to. Lord, I just pray as we head towards next week that we can just recognize um, and celebrate just the greatness of your generosity to us. Lord, just the greatness of your kindness, the greatness of what you have given us and all the different ways you've blessed us. Lord, we, we, we stand in this great sight as a legacy of those who have gone before us, who have faithfully contributed to the work of the church, who have kept it, who have fostered it, who have grown it, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that we might continue to pass that legacy on to those who come after us. Lord, I just, yeah, I just want to pray, Lord, that if you've put a little spur in any of our hearts here today, Lord, whatever it might be, whatever that spur might be, a spur to action to something new or something different, Lord, I pray that you just... Yeah, you might help us just to dwell and meditate on it and that spur might grow. And Lord, we, we, might, we might be obedient to that, that little nudge that we're feeling. Lord, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for the opportunity that we get to read it and to learn from it, Lord. And I just pray all this now. In your glorious son's name. Amen.